so much dad booty on uh, Father's Day. <laughs> wow, that's what we cheer for, church? Okay. All right. Well, I knew I loved this church. Let's go. Let's go. Well, happy Father's Day, everybody. Um, all you dads out there, we love you so much. Hope you feel honored today. Hopefully you get to do some of your favorite things today. Um, and I'm just so grateful this morning that I get the chance to share uh, for our pastors uh, who have allowed uh, me to share this morning. And, and I know you're looking at me, you're wondering, why, oh why, is that man wearing a sweater? It is 99 degrees outside in the shade. Fashion, baby. Fashion. Now, um, you know, I, I figured it, it, it's Father's Day. I'll put my, my dad's sweater on. Or at least something that looks like my daddy's sweater. This bad boy's big, isn't it? Well, this is actually kind of, it serves as a natural timer for me um, because I am already beginning to sweat. Uh, and when that reaches critical mass, I'm just going to walk off the stage, message be done or not. So that, that, that helps make sure this is a quick one this morning. Let me pray and then we'll jump right in. Father God, I thank you for who you are. And I pray, Lord, uh, that as we have invited your presence here, that you would come and do what only you can. Um, I thank you, God, that you have something good in store for each and every one of us. Uh, so would you speak, and as you speak, would you give us ears to hear you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. So, I am what I call a second-degree dad. I have two children. Uh, the first-degree child uh, is my daughter, Aurora. She is almost four years old. Uh, she's incredible. Uh, and my son, Theodore, uh, turned a year old about a week and a half ago. Uh, my, my kids are amazing, and I've been a dad for just about four years now, and the longer that I dad, uh, the more that I become aware of this concrete truth. Children are crazy. Children are crazy, y'all. If you don't have kids, um, uh, if you don't have kids, you don't want them, cool. If you, have, if you don't have kids, but you do want them, enjoy now, um, and it'll be great later, but there's going to be some things that shift in your life. There is a peace that you find as you're laying on your couch watching a show, relaxing. Oh, The Office, so funny. Ha, ha, ha. Gilmore Girls, oh, they're so witty. This is great. But when you have a child, you're relaxing, then all of a sudden there's something in the air flying at you, 35 pounds of human being with a knee outstretched and arms up in a kung fu angel pose flying at your exposed stomach. And listen, when the dad bod is real, you can't take oh, but oh, so many of those shots. Children are crazy. I, I tell you what, my, uh, my, my kids are, are wild and I love it. Uh, my son, Theo, man, I, I don't know why. I don't know what it is about my genetics, but my children eat um, like they're, they're making up for lost time. Uh, and, and so my son, Theo, uh, he, he was eating the other day. We were at, we were at the dinner table. Um, I was looking at my phone, and, and, and I think he must have cleared off all of his food, eaten everything. Uh, and I'm looking down, I hear the sound. Uh, uh, uh. I'm like, what is that? Look at him. He's locked in his, his, uh, his child seat as he's eating his food. He's got the tray in front of him. He is trying to bust through that thing going, uh, uh, reaching for a bowl of guacamole. I'm like, dear God, what have we unleashed upon the world? I don't, I don't know that we're ready for, for, for more of this. But, but it's not just that they're crazy. But they draw out the crazy in you. You think you're a normal, reasonable human being, and then you have kids, and you find out, no, you're messed up like everybody else. I, I remember just the other, just the other night, uh, I was trying to put my daughter down to sleep, uh, going through our bedtime routine, got her down, went downstairs, and like, that's, that's the moment that you aim for in the day when you have kids. 
when they're sleeping, then it's like, oh, I can do whatever I want to. I can, I can watch a show. I can go out in the garage. I can do whatever I want. But I'm sitting there thinking about what will I do with this time and space. And then you hear it. Little child feet upstairs. She broke out. So I'm like, okay, we're not doing this tonight. It's already late. We got to get ready for the next thing in the morning. Rory Grace, by the time I get upstairs, you had better be in your bed or there will be consequences, I say. Um, I go upstairs. She's in her bed, and we have this conversation. By the end of the conversation, I'm holding a baby doll by the foot. I'm like, child, if you don't stay in this bed, I will take this baby doll. She's like, no, not my baby doll. Yes, I will take this baby doll. And you know what? I'll take that one. And this one, I'll take all the baby dolls. And then you have a moment of clarity as you leave the room. I'm a horrible human being right now. <laughs> I am terrorizing my child. But, you know, in all fairness, it's, it's, it's their fault. They drew this out of me. Um, I was, reading, I was reading the words of Jesus this week, and there was uh, a verse uh, or, or two where Jesus is actually talking about children, and, and it made me aware that his perspective on children is radically different uh, than my current one. <laughs> than my current one, I, I was reading these verses, and it kind of awakened me to, to something that I think might speak to all of us and where we are with our walk with God uh, today. It's Mark chapter 10, 13 through 15. It says, one day... Some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Now, honestly, I, I've never thought much about this verse before. I was like, oh, sweet, Jesus loves kids. Dope. Uh, and and then, then you move on <laughs> to, to, the, to the other things in, uh, in, in Scripture. Uh, but in, in this moment, in this interaction, we see that Jesus is communicating that he has a very high view of children in this moment. He literally says, the kingdom belongs to people that are like these children. That are ones such as these kids. We're called to receive and be a part of his kingdom in the way that a child would. Now in our culture today, you call someone childish, this is not a compliment. There is no context in which uh, comparing someone to a child means that they are winning. Uh, we use that to let them know that there's something about you that is not quite right. And you need to get right. We use childish uh, as, as a, a put down, as, as, as something that lets people know that they are not meeting the mark somehow. But Jesus in these verses holds up being childish, childlike as a virtue. As a virtue. And so that, that tells me that when it comes to us being followers of Jesus, it comes to us being his church, that to some degree, we need to go back to being childlike. Now, if the first thing in your mind is, are you saying that I need to go back to the jungle gym and as a grown adult hang upside down on the jungle gym? Maybe. If you want to, 
But I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. Uh, am I saying you need to bust out uh, the sidewalk chalk and line up some squares and do some hopscotch? That would be entertaining for the rest of us. But you don't need to do that. I think what Jesus is saying is there's something about how children are that speaks to how we need to be in our day-to-day in the way that we follow him. And so as I was thinking about this and chewing over it, there are three ways, three things that, that children do that they're quick to do that I think we also need to be quick to do. The first one, children are quick to make friends. My daughter Aurora, any place we go, uh, whether there are children there or just adults around, she is going to talk to someone and make a brand new friend. We were at the donut shop uh, uh, two days ago. We got up, we got some donuts, and, uh, oh wait, no, that was yesterday. Oh, time is weird. We got up, we got some donuts, we're in line, I'm looking at the line, and, and then she tugs on my shirt and says, Daddy, I just made a friend. And she's so excited. I turn and look, there's this two-year-old looking up at me with a, like a pacifier in her mouth. And then like a dad, we make eye contact, and we're like, we're not ready to make friends, but hi. Um, and I was thinking about it, and it's just so beautiful. Everywhere they go, go to the playground. They identify other children. They go over, hey, you want to play? Okay, best friends. It's that easy. And it made me wonder, what is it about us that makes it so hard for us to be that open to other people? What is it about where we are in our hearts and in our minds that makes it so difficult to be that open to new people being in our lives? I was trying to think through just all the reasons one, one might say that they, they aren't open to people. Someone might be like, well, I'm an introvert and I don't even like to go outside. I want to grab my cup of tea, a book, and sit down in front of the fire and enjoy a quiet evening at home with the shades drawn. It's beautiful. Maybe that's you. That's okay. God can heal that too. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love you. I love you. Stay inside. It's fine. <laughs> Maybe that was too much. I almost snorted. That's funny. Maybe you're like, you know, I already have my circle. I've got my close few, uh, and I'm good. I'm set. I don't need any more. Or, or maybe uh, more likely stories are um, because of the hurt that I've suffered when I open myself up. Because of the way that I have been betrayed or rejected or, or, or the way that I have been excluded. The way that, um, that someone did something to me at some point in time and now I just don't know that I'm ready to be open again. I, I've made it this long without more people. Why, why, why would I need them if they're just going to do what's been done to me before? Well, then I think of these words of Jesus in John chapter 13, verse 34. It says, so now I am giving you a new commandment. He says, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Just as I have loved you. My question this morning is, how has Jesus loved you? How has he loved you, church? Can you remember the moment? When you were feeling so down about yourself and the decisions that you made so broken and crushed. But then God stepped in and let you know that you were valuable, that you were loved, and that you could come back from that place. Do you remember the moment when you had no one but then found yourself surrounded by a church family that cared about you, fought their way into your life? To let you know that you don't have to go through this alone. Do you remember the time when you were in the hospital hoping for things to turn around? 
and people were showing up with food and drinks and love and encouragement. Do you remember how Jesus loved you? Because if you remember how Jesus loved you, Jesus is saying in the same way that I have loved you, go love someone else. One of the beautiful things about Jesus as we see in Scripture is that there is a seat at his table for everyone. For everyone. It doesn't matter your political beliefs, what side of the line you stand on. It doesn't matter what demographic you line up in. It doesn't matter how twisted and broken and wicked your worldview or mindset is. There is a seat at the table for everyone as far as Jesus is concerned. And so he dares us, challenges us to go back to when it was simpler, back in the day. When we were that open with everyone, we didn't need to know anything about their life. We just said, hey, I'm open. Now, obviously there's wisdom there too. We can be wise. You can be wise and maybe not let everyone into the closest places of your life and still be open to people, still be caring about people, still be open in the same way that Jesus was. But I think we need to go back to being that kind of childlike and be open to people and that there's something that God can do in that space where what you received you can then give and once you've given it someone else's life changes on the other side. The next thing I was thinking is what I love about kids is they are so quick to believe. So I'm that dad that likes to say crazy things to my kids because I know that they'll just believe it. Um, I'll say things and then I won't say, just kidding, I'll walk away and, and, and just leave them with uh, this, this weird perspective on life. Um, I was thinking, like, if my daughter Aurora said, Daddy, why is that butterfly doing that? I'd be like, well, baby, I think that butterfly just got out of prison. Yeah, he, he just got out of prison. As a matter of fact, I, I think that butterfly broke out of prison. It's on the run. The butterfly authorities are probably chasing him down right now. And, and, and if, if my, my guess is correct, he's on his way to the butterfly train station hoping to make it to Alaska where he'll be free. See you, babe. And then I walk away. And I, I leave it to my wife or some other human being to go to clean that up. Uh, but that, that's, well, there's something so beautiful about a certain season in a child's life where as you teach them the truth, they take it as the truth. What you say because of who you are in their life, they receive it as the truth. It's a beautiful time to raise up a child in the way that they should go so that when they're older they don't depart from it. They believe what you say because you said it, but I think to some degree we have lost this. To some degree, we've actually gotten slower to believe, slower to faith, slower to trust God at his word. Sometimes we, we even walk into a place like this on a, on a Sunday morning with the attitude of, I know what I know and I know what my perspective is. And so if you're going to tell me something different, you need to convince me. Okay, I get it. But I'm also like, can we really expect to see God move mountains in our life with that kind of attitude? Can, can we really expect God to do the impossible if he needs to prove something to us first? Are we really, really living a life of faith? We're walking not by sight but by faith. 
if we need God to show us and prove to us and convince us every single time. Children are, are, are beautiful because one of the ways that they're beautiful is, is they trust so naturally. But the distrust that we carry is learned behavior. Skepticism is, in fact, learned behavior. That's not ha just how you are. That's not just who you are. So I know some people that wear it as a badge. Uh, their cynicism, their skepticism, as though this is the way that I was made. No, no, no. This is the way that you were shaped. And this way that you are shaped is stopping you from being everything that you were called to be. You know, when I was... Uh, when I was young, uh, so this is Father's Day, and my, my father right now is standing in the presence of Jesus. Um, and I have, uh, I have so many fun memories of my dad, but one of my favorite memories, this one always sticks with me. I remember I um, lived in Rhode Island, driving down, riding down the street on my bike, going to my friend Chip's house. Um, who names the kid Chip? I don't know. Um, if your name's Chip, I love you, and I'm sorry. Going down the street, going to Chip's house. Uh, and I'm riding, and, I, and I, I stop in front of this group of guys who are kind of like owning the sidewalk. And as I'm looking at the guys, I'm realizing that the one in the middle is this boy that has a reputation. A very bad reputation. It was known that you wanted to stay away from him because he was known to do things, he was known to be about things that you did not want any part of. And I actually don't remember what was said in the interaction, but I do know that my bike was on the ground and I ran home crying for my dad. I remember coming home, telling my dad uh, what had happened. He grabbed a baseball bat and said, let's go for a walk. And we went walking down the street. I'm like, man, this is crazy. Now, we didn't find those boys that day. There was no, use, no reason for my dad to threaten anybody or use the baseball bat and probably go to jail. But um, we got my bike back, went home, but it always stuck with me. I, I remember the feeling of the walk. I remember looking at my dad, and I am today taller than he ever was. But looking up at him, he was a mountain. He was strength, protection, peace. I was filled with so much confidence just by being by his side. I was filled with so much security just by being by his side. And I think about this story and I think about you knowing that some of you on Monday or after church today are walking into a fight. And you are walking in by yourself because your cynicism or your skepticism has stopped you from believing what the Word of God says about your life. Some of you are so caught up in your own minds and your own way of doing this that you, you, you can't even walk into the fight ready. You're not walking in with peace. You're not walking in with confidence. You're just walking in hoping it's going to work out all right. But then I come across verses like Exodus 14, 14 that says, The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay Calm. Don't you know that God goes before you into the battle? Don't you know that he is strong and he is on your side? Don't you know that our God is able to save and deliver and to heal and restore and turn around any situation you might find yourself in? 
But if you don't believe him, then what can he do in your life? What can he do? We should be the people that speak the word of God over our lives. That we believe it because he said it. That that's our starting place. That's our beginning point. You're heading into a battle on Monday, a conversation at your job that could decide the future of, of your career and, and your family. You don't know how that's going to work out. But if you start with God, I thank you that you're on my side. Your word says it. I don't feel it, but I believe it because you said it's true. I'm going to go in tomorrow. I don't know what's coming, but God, I know it's going to work out all right. Because you said you'll fight my battles for me. There's a confidence, a strength that you get filled with that is not from you, but it is straight from heaven. And that's what you need for the battle. Come on, we've got to go back to believing like we once did. We've got to go back to believing like a child. Last one. Uh, children, depending upon the age, are very quick to forgive. My, uh, my oldest, Rory, she is, she's built like an athlete for no good reason. Um, she, like, she's she just got muscles on muscles, and I'm like, where? Why did they, where'd they come from? Um, and she got, like, almost a little six-pack. I'm like, that's weird. It shouldn't be happening. You don't do anything. You just, like, eat and run around, and she's just fit. She's fit. Um, it's incredible. And paired with that, very accident-prone. Like, my child uh, will be walking from point A to point B, uh, take a few steps, and the whole room catches on fire. It's like, what happened? I walk in, everything's upside down. How'd the fridge tip over? Like, why? <laughs> um, that, that's what happens to her, and it's, it's hilarious and, and, and expensive. No, no, not really. She's, she's fine. Um, but she gets hurt, and uh, I swoop in, and I, I pick her up, and I'm like, baby, you, like, you Okay. You mean to kiss the boo-boo? And, like, and then she says, I'm okay, Daddy. And she's fine. She's good. But the worst moments, the worst times are, are when it's my fault. I wasn't looking and I accidentally bump her and does a backflip uh, somehow and, and, and hurts her knee or something. Or, or, or something is my fault. There's no worse moment as a parent when your child locks eyes with you, betrayed. Daddy, what have you done? It's, it's the worst. And the tears well up and your heart is breaking. I'm sorry, baby. I'm so sorry. You, you apologize. You hold them. Uh, and then I, I say to her, when it happens, like, do you, do you forgive daddy? She's like, yes, I forgive you. Okay. You want to go play? Yeah. And it's over. It's over. It's done. Thing of the past. But how many of us adults are walking around still affected by hurt and pain decades old? How many of us how many of us are making life decisions, uh, that we're making relationship decisions based on uh, a wound we received 20 years ago, 15 years ago? Some people, some people maybe in this room aren't even talking to family members because of what they said however many years ago, what they did. Unforgiveness is a killer. It's a killer. But I, 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 you know what, now I'll say this. I, I, I'm not approaching that lightly. Your situation, I won't ever approach it lightly. I don't, I don't know what you've been through. I don't know how deep that cut was. I don't know what they said. I don't know how they said it and what that meant to you in the moment. I, I don't know that, but I do know what Jesus says. I do know what the Word of God says. Ephesians chapter 4, 31 through 32. Get rid of all bitterness, 
rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. God is not telling you to forgive because he doesn't see your pain, doesn't see how, how bad it hurt you or how rough that was for you. He is telling you and I to forgive one first because he's already forgiven you for what you've done. But he's saying it as well because he knows that the forgiving life is a better life. So um, Courtney and I, we travel pretty often. Actually, in like a week or so, we're going to be flying out to Virginia to see her family. Um, and, uh, and I'm actually mentally preparing myself uh, for the moment uh, that we walk through the airport. You, you have children, and you've, you've multiplied more mem members of the human race. But when you do that, you also multiply your luggage by an exponential amount. Uh, and like, are, are there any people that, like, when you're, when you're taking in groceries, you try to take them all at once? You, like, layer up those arms, and you're like... Just trying to get, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm that guy, but in the airport with all of our luggage. Um, Courtney's like, babe, let me take one. No, I'm good, I'm good. And I'm just, just making my way around. Every bag, there's one wrapped around my neck, there's one on my back, one on my belly, one in each arm, just pulling and straining. Okay, who am I impressing? No one. But, <laughs> my wife said, me. <laughs> Thanks, babe. But here's the thing. I'm thinking about, one, the stupidity of that. Um, yeah, I'm thinking about the stupidity of that moment. But I'm thinking about the, the weight that I feel when I have the biggest bag on my back, what that feels like for my back. I'm thinking about uh, the pull um, on my arms as I'm carrying these bags for a certain distance. I'm thinking about all of that, how I'm actually moving slower than I normally would move um, if I did not have those bags. This is an image of what it looks like when you hold back forgiveness from others in your life. I don't know if kids still say this anymore, uh, but when I was a kid, the thing, like if someone says something bad to you, the thing to say was, well, I'm rubber and you're glue. Whatever you say, it bounces off to me and it sticks back to you. That was the thing. I, that's exactly how I sounded too as a child. When you hold back forgiveness from someone, you're not actually doing them the damage you think you're doing. You're adding weight to your life. The more weight you add to your life, the less able you are to move quickly when you need to move quickly. The less able that you are to carry the things that you need to carry in life because you're already laid, laden down with all of this weight. Unforgiveness is a killer. It slows you down. And I believe we need to go back and relearn what it was like to be quick to forgive. Because I'm like, man, we're the church of Jesus, right? Jesus is known to be incredibly forgiving, but is his church known for that? No, we are not. We're not. Man, what if we were? What if we were the people that were so difficult to offend? What if we were the people that, that so quickly forgave that it just blew people's minds? Like, come on, what would that do in the world? What would that say about us? How quickly would people see Jesus in us? And once seeing Jesus, how quickly would their lives begin to change? We, we live in a world where everybody wants to be different, but no one's really different. 
they just look like each other. Just some, some shade of the crowd. But the church of Jesus is supposed to be different. It's supposed to be set apart. It's supposed to be something all together, unlike anything else in the world. And I think a piece of that starts with us being a church, being a people that forgive like Jesus forgave. There's a seat at our table for everyone. And we will forgive any offense. You know, uh, just about out of time here. But as I was thinking through these things, um, these two stories popped in my, in my mind. There's uh, two stories of, of two men in the Bible. There's Samuel, the prophet, and, uh, and Moses. Both of these men had a call of God on their lives from birth. Both of them were, were set aside for particular service by God. And they both in life had an encounter directly with God where he spoke to them, told them the purpose and mission and, 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 and all the things he had designed uh, for their next, for their future. Um, but it wound up looking different for each of them. With Samuel, 1 Samuel 3, 10. And the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. And as you read the rest of his story, he listens, he grows, he increases in wisdom and knowledge, and he goes, and he is actually the mouthpiece of God to a generation. We all know David in the Bible. David, the man after God's own heart, Samuel, uh, uh, Samuel is the one that helped keep him in line and go the way that he was supposed to be going. Like, Samuel lived this incredible life. But then Moses, who also was used by God, his moment looked like this. God comes and tells him at the burning bush uh, that you are going to be the answer to the, to the cries of, of uh, thousands of people crying for freedom. You're going to be my answer to that. And Moses says, but Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? They both said yes to God. One, the answer was quick. The other had to fight through this conversation where they were laden with guilt and shame and brokenness and memories of their own failure and fear about the future and all of these walls that had been built up, all of these reasons why they were disqualified. One was caught up with all of these thoughts about why it's not a good idea, about why I'm not the guy. God, you must be mistaken. Said yes to God. Eventually was convinced by God to go. And people's lives were changed and, and transformed. And, and as I think about these two stories, um, I think we would all like to be Samuel. But I think more often than not, we more identify with Moses. The people with a past. The people that have been through some stuff. The people that can't forgive themselves for what they've done. The people um, whose hurt has lingered uh, longer than the moment. The people whose concept of themselves, the way they see themselves, is a little bit broken. The people who are like, God, I think you might be saying that, but I, I'm pretty sure you have, have the, wrong, the wrong one. I think about this story, I think about where we fit in all of this, and it, and it reminds me again that we've got to go back. We've got to go back to the place where our belief, our trust in God was quick. We've got to go, go back to a place. We're stepping into what we were called to.
wasn't an uphill battle for us just to say yes. We've got to go back to a place, and I'm thinking about us, church. I'm thinking about us in this room, joining online. All the people who are convinced that you can't go back. All the people that are convinced that you've seen too much, you've done too much, been through too much. There's no going back for you. And to that, I share this verse. Ephesians 3.20. Some of you know it already. Now all glory to God. Who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think? You're broken. You've been a disappointment. You've never been able to turn it around. He is able. You've been holding back forgiveness from people for so long you don't even you can't even imagine life any other way he is able your brokenness colors everything that you see every relationship you have you can't quite trust them because of what you've been through before you don't even know how to hope for anything different our God is able he is able to do what you can't do. He is able to make you brand new. He is able to take you back to where you started, to make you new again, to transform you, and then to work through your life so that people would look at you and see Jesus. People would look at you and find hope. People would look at you get on their knees and say, God, do it in me as well. Church, would you stand on your feet this morning? I think we all have some ways that we need to go back. And I'm not telling you all of these things today because I want you to leave here and try harder. I'm not telling you these things today because I want you um, to walk out of these doors and, and come up with a plan and execute your plan. I, I'm telling you this because I believe that as you go to the feet of Jesus, lay your life down before him, lay your thought processes, lay those wounds that haven't healed yet, lay your hurts, your pains, whatever it is when you lay it down at the feet of Jesus, his grace is sufficient for you. His power works best in your weakness, and he can turn any situation around, any moment around, any pain around, any hurt, any wound, any lie that you have believed for way too long. He can turn it around. God is faithful. He is that good. And would you bow your heads with me for a moment? I know that in this place, there may be some who have never put their hope in Jesus. Maybe you're under the sound of my voice and you are, all of this is foreign to you. You've never trusted God before. You've never taken him at his word. 
but something about what I'm saying, about how good Jesus is and what he can do in your life. It's resonating with you. And you're like, I, I, I want that. I want to change. I want hope. I want to be different. God, use me. If that's you, I, I want you to know that today is your moment. That this is your opportunity to go back to the best that God has for you. And maybe you've been in church for a while. Maybe you've, you've been in this space for a bit. You love Jesus, but you're burdened with heaviness and brokenness. Well, I'm here to tell you as well today that today is the day for your freedom. Today is the day for you to walk in victory. It starts now. It starts today. Whatever camp you stand in, whether putting your hope in Jesus for the first time or just asking him to make you new again, just asking him to bring you back to the beginning again. If that's you, I want you to be bold to put your hand on your heart. This is not a sign for me, but a sign between you and God that you want him to come and do something new in you. Yeah. I see those hands. I see those hands. Well, right now we're going to pray. I'm going to pray and I want you to repeat after me. And then in a moment we'll, we'll bless you all and we'll move about our day. But, but would you repeat after me? Dear Jesus, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. Would you forgive me of all my sins? Would you give me the grace to follow you all the days of my life? Would you make me new? In the name of Jesus, we pray amen and amen and amen and amen. God is faithful. He is working. God is faithful. He is on your side. You've asked. Now receive it. Church, I want you to know that as you go and you celebrate your Father's Day, that God is with you, He is for you, that whatever you're dealing with, whatever you carried into this place, He can lift off your shoulders, He can turn it around, He can heal it. Go, celebrate, have an amazing and incredible rest of your Sunday. We love you so much. We'll see you all next week.